The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Want to fearlessly explore your creative spirit? Join artist Susie K. Edwards for Path of the Butterfly, a weekend workshop at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Experiment with a variety of art forms, engage in mindfulness, walking, and silent meditation, and discover a new and free-flowing creative vision. This workshop is for beginners and professional artists. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. Discover hope and healing from the other side. Welcome to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to a live show. If you're joining us in the beginning of October, if not, you're watching this in the archives or listening on podcast. Regardless, you are in for a great time with us today. I'm so excited to introduce my guest, Gordon Smith, a renowned international medium. I've been following his work for years, read several of his books, love all of them. I'm not going to waste any time talking without bringing him in. I'd love for you to meet Gordon Smith. <laughs> Suzanne, thank you very much. It's my absolute pleasure to share this space with you. Oh, thank you. And why don't you tell everybody where you're coming from? And that will explain the accent to your American audience here. <laughs> of course. Yes. Um, at the moment, I am in the west of Scotland um, on the west coast. And um, it's the weather here is, is so different. We always say to people, if you don't like the weather on the west coast, wait for 20 minutes. <laughs> well, we change, it changes all the time, but it's beautiful. And, and um, yeah, I was born and brought up in this part of the world. So it's home for me. I, I feel so connected here. I love it. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, I actually have had very few mediums on my show, which is interesting, even though it's the Messages of Hope show. We talk a lot about the afterlife, but I really want to take advantage of having you here because I so admire your work, the connection that you have. One place I read called you the most accurate medium in the UK. What do you have to say about that? I think my mother said that. No. <laughs> but no, it was actually, um, I mean, these are just things that newspapers say. And it was a journalist, I think, who interviewed me one time. And I, they asked me to give them a message on the spot. And I did this. And um, the lady was blown away by the information. And so she gave me this wonderful review and stuff like that. So I don't take any of that seriously because the actual thing I do is I suppose to to give hope to people and and it's only good when it does that if I don't actually achieve that then it's just words and it might be a clever trick to some people but unless it touches the heart and heals people then it, that's how accurate it needs to be I feel it's more important to heal people than have, to have nice claims nice that people say it but it doesn't it's not that important Okay, do you all see why I love this man? This is great, huh? This is the attitude that I love. This is what I wish all mediums would aspire to. So you are what you refer to yourself on your website as a natural medium. You, you've had this ability since you were a child. Tell me about some of the experiences when you were a child that, that let you know that the rest of your family wasn't the same as you. <laughs> you must be psychic. I'm actually writing at the moment. And today I wrote this very story. That when the first experiences I had as a child is when I would wake up in the morning, uh, in the middle of the sort of early hours of the morning, two, three o'clock, I suppose, in a very dark room, my two older brothers beside me, and I just had this sense that there was other people in the room. Over the years, many people have questioned me and said, that must have been terrifying for a six, seven-year-old child. But it wasn't. It was comforting. I actually felt an echo of joy every time I, I sensed this. Hmm. My two brothers were asleep, fast asleep, and I would just feel these presences because I couldn't see them. I didn't, so I, I often didn't hear them, but I could almost feel the touch of them close to me. And it was very reassuring. And I suppose from childhood, 
I've always had that lovely sense of the joy of spirit. So I've never seen it as untoward. I've never experienced anything other than this protectiveness and also this lovely sharing of compassion. We're here for you. Just feelings. So, so I suppose that was the earliest things. And as I grew a little bit, I remember I had rheumatic fever when I was seven. So I was away from my family for two months in a hospital and an infectious diseases ward. So I suppose for a seven-year-old child, that's traumatic. And quite often the mediums that I've researched or even known in my life often have said that through trauma, the mediumship has got stronger or it's come to the fore. So for me at the age of seven and already sensing these presences who only got stronger when I was in hospital and then I started to see them and then hear them and they became for a while, I say for a while, they became a close part of my life. But as you grow as a child, reason kicks in. You start to expand your mind, you become logical as you approach your teens and then the beautiful otherly world starts to dissolve away in the logic that you gain as you grow through life. But yeah, my early days was filled with a beautiful presence, a sense of being looked after. Now, when you say you started to see them, was that objective or subjective? Both. Um, an objective uh, vision I had is when a friend of my parents was killed suddenly. As a young boy at seven, I had no idea that this man was dead. My parents obviously did not share that stuff. And they had, uh, I believe, been left responsible to look after his corpse, to bury him or cremate him. Well, my parents were working working class but they were pretty poor they had seven children didn't have a lot of money so they buried him in a graveyard a cemetery and it was what they called a pauper's grave it was all they could afford uh -huh. they couldn't afford a headstone they couldn't afford whatever but they afforded to get the man buried anyway he must have been dead for a month or two and buried and i was in the garden after my illness just midday middle of the day warm sunny day and um this man came towards me and he was singing and he was singing a song with the word Dalbeth, a word I'd never heard in my life. It wasn't common to me or anyone in Scotland. And I ran in and told my mum that he was in the garden and he said, thank you. He was, his song said, thank you for putting me in Dalbeth. Dalbeth was the name of the cemetery that they buried poor people in. Oh, so wow. he was coming to tell my mother and father, thank you. Ooh, and, and, I, and I think that was, that was a, a beautiful thing because they were, my mum and dad were really proud people. My dad was a naval officer and in the Navy and things. So, so he was a very proud man, but they didn't have the money to do the honours that they wanted to do for this man. So yeah. they could only do what they afforded. And I think they felt a little bit kind of, you know, that they hadn't served him properly. But um, that was his way of coming back to say he was okay and even thanking them. So yeah. that was a nice objective vision. Yeah. Yeah. So you were around 15, if I recall, from your books when you began actually seriously studying mediumship. Is that correct? Well, I oh, suppose no, I, no, no, I, you studied. That's what the Yeah, I, I was about 21 when when uh, a colleague of mine, I was a hairdresser then. And um, I think one of the best things I ever developed was my ability to work with people and to be friendly with people through hairdressing. More than anything, I learned as a medium. Well, you were called the psychic barber. Psychic were, you, were, you, barber were you a barber yes. or a woman's hairdresser? I did both. Um, okay. I, I was an all-rounder. I could do women's and men's in those days. But yeah, the barber thing is where I got known as a medium. <laughs> and it was just because I had... I was being tested at a university in Glasgow by professors and things because I did something, I reading, I think it was for the woman in the newspapers who said I was the most accurate medium in the UK. So scientists and people said, why is this guy accurate? What does it mean? Okay. So I ended up, you know, going to the university. I did seven years there um, of these really strict scientific tests. Um which were great because tell us more about that because as an evidential medium i really try to help people who are skeptical yeah which is reasonable that they can trust this so what were the results of seven years of testing at a university level well um a brief history of that which it has to be because it's too long but would be that you know in the first couple of years you're doing what you do as a medium so i'd be given a person that i don't know to read for they would then mark how many hits you got how much of it was successful they don't tell me then i would be 
given an opportunity to read for an individual who was behind a screen that I cannot see. The same protocol would apply. People would mark the scores. And then it would be, I would be in one room of the university, in fact, one department, and somebody would be in another department. So I, I had no knowledge of it was anything about it. And I could only talk through a microphone. Wow. And funnily enough, it was one thing that people can actually Google this, I suppose, because um, they did show it on a program called The Psychic Barber. And it was the only time I ever saw or was given a result. Because oh. as the subject, you are not told the results. Wow. You're never told the results whether you got it right or wrong. You've just got to trust that you did it. On yeah. this one, the BBC had filmed it. And I happened to be, I, I remember seeing it on telly and thinking, oh, no. Oh, what of this all good? Because you don't know. Yeah. What if it was all nonsense? And I happened to say, I could hear it coming over the television. Oh, I want the person in this seat's called Taylor because her husband's in the spirit world. His name's John Taylor. She may be Judy or June, it's a name like that, but she lives in a house called Christmas Cottage with a very ornate fountain in front of it. La, la, la. It goes on and on and on like that. And I thought, oh, my God, what stupid things to say. Anyway, then they then show the results of the test, Suzanne, and I'd never even imagined it would be like this. The one person in the room who I'd chosen, seat number 45, she said, Actually, my name's Judy Taylor. My husband, John, died. I do live in a house called Christmas Cottage with a horrible, ornate fountain in the garden that I can't stand. And she went on and on and on. And I thought, oh, my God. So the chance against something like that was something like 500 million to one mm -hmm. when they do the statistics. <laughs> and I think it turned out to be something like 98% accurate. Okay. And that wasn't the most difficult test. The most difficult but, test you know, was... There's accuracy and then there's really detailed evidence you know you yeah. could get accuracy about this person played baseball and yeah that kind absolutely of thing. that yeah. is very specific and but the, the other thing is, is some people would make the argument in those days to me that yeah but you're cold reading you you look at a person and you read their body language well you need to have a body in front of you to do that <laughs> that helps and in these cases that's why they slowly took you through that First yeah. with a body, then somebody removed from your site, then somebody removed from the room. And then the last one I did was where somebody was in another city. And that was the most accurate one I ever did. That was 98% accurate. And it was a woman sitting in a theatre in Birmingham, and I was in Glasgow. And I had to say, I don't know who I'm talking to. I want to yeah. seat number 115. There's a lady there. Your name is whatever. I'm amazed I can actually remember these names. The lady's name was Margaret Harrison. That's weird. That's years ago, and yet the names never leave. But wow. that, that, that all, and of course, she was the only one in the room who could take 98% of the statements that was given. So I suppose maybe that comes to the accuracy thing. But again, it doesn't make a difference. For me, it's still got to help someone. You know, that right. was. That was but, fun to do. But. but let's take a second here for those who may be tuning in and they're new to mediumship. They're, mm. they're new to, they've had somebody who passed and they don't understand this. As a medium working for mm. a dozen years, I understand this. But so I'm asking the question for our audience. How is that possible, Gordon, what you did, what you just explained? I have no idea. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do. <laughs> I think, Suzanne, one of the things that I've been so fortunate enough in my life, even since childhood, even as I write this stuff today, I realize that my entire life has been blessed by the spirit world for a reason. I, I'm now 60. I can look back over the years and think for the last 50 something years, okay. I've known a beautiful presence in my life. Pause, time out. Yeah. I have to stop you right there, Gordon. He stood on the stage at the recent Helping Parents Heal conference oh, no. and made everybody laugh. I knew why they were laughing, but he didn't know why they laughed. He stood up there and told everybody he'd turn sexy. And everybody laughed and he said, what? And he said, I just said I turned sexy. And it was his accent. He was trying to tell people he had turned 60. 60 years. He just said it here. He, he was sexy. <laughs> so, so I became sexy this year. Yeah. <laughs> well, I really did. But um, <laughs> I look back over the last 50 something years and realize what a beautiful blessing, what a beautiful honor. Because in my life, I have been allowed to seriously help people. 
once I got over all the do I believe in what I'm doing, because, you know, you hit your 20s and 30s and you doubt everything. And then you start to say, is this real? So the scientist stuff was really good for me because I'm as pragmatic as anybody. And I want to know that what I'm doing is real because I'm standing up on a stage or sitting in a one-to-one -one situation. I need to know that what I'm doing is real. I don't want to sit there like some fake or somebody who's not sure. I think if people are not sure of what they're doing, they shouldn't be doing it. I think you need to wait till you're sure, then then it works. So so for me, I had to have actually beyond belief. Belief wasn't enough for me. It had to be beyond. So that's why I suppose I had these incredible experiences through my life. Not for me, but for me to help others. So that my faith is unshakable in this completely. And I feel that my question went even beyond what you're saying there. You say you, it was possible because it was beyond belief. But for those who are new to this, it was possible for you to get that accurate information about that woman yeah. because her loved ones were right there. And your intention linked you right with the person yeah. who needed the message. What took you beyond belief? Oh, God, everything. But I mean, one of the loveliest things, and I love to share this because it was a day in my life which all mediums at some point will confront themselves with. I was in my barber shop cutting hair. I was going to see Tina Turner that night. I had tickets to see Tina Turner. She was in Scotland. So all my friends were so excited and I'm cutting hair. I think, wow, Tina. And then I get a call at my salon from a spiritual church in Edinburgh saying, oh, you're on here tonight. We've sold all the tickets. Oh, no. And I said, no, no, oh, no, no, I'm going to see. So... The day went on and I was I really wasn't best pleased. Why me? I kept saying, why me? I was angry. At the end of the day, we closed the shop. I thought, I'm going to have to go to Edinburgh. A gentleman who I didn't know came into the salon and said, are you closed? People always seem to walk into a shop that's half closed and say, are you closed? <laughs> no, we always do that. <laughs> he came in and I wasn't in the best mood. Why me? I kept saying. This gentleman said, sir, can you give me a shave? It's really important. I'm sorry. I know you're closing. Something in my heart said, do it. Okay. So it's just me and him in the salon. And I put the soap on his face. I get the razor. My heart is really heavy. I do this and I look in the mirror, uh, Suzanne, and there's a woman looking at me. His face is down here and she's there. And I look over my shoulder because it's so real. It's objective a real objective vision, and I can feel my heart pounding, boom, boom, boom. And in my head, I say, who are you? And she comes back immediately with telepathy. No, vo no voice, she didn't move her lips. Judy, tell him. Oh, boy. Well, this is a stranger. How can I tell a stranger that I'm a medium? How can I tell him there's a woman in the mirror who is not in the room? I don't know what to do. And it, it, the, the feeling became so impending, do it, do it. And eventually I did it. So, I have to tell you this, but there's a lady who died that you know. And he sat up and I said, no, don't panic, please. I'm a medium. Do you know what a medium is? And he just stared at me. Big, big guy as well. Really big, powerful guy. You got to raise it to his throat. Well, I was holding the weapon, Susan. I was okay. <laughs> but he just stared with these big eyes. And I could still see her. And in my head, I thought, why are you here? And nothing at first. And then I describe her. I said, she's blonde, short. She's tucking her hair behind her ears. She's actually doing this. She's in a little black dress. Da, 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 da. And he starts to cry. And I said, no, name's Judy. And he said, that's my wife. Mm. And he just cries. And then in my head, I said, Judy, Judy, quick, the message, why are you here? And she opens her hand like this. And there's three lollipops. And she said, tell him thanks. And she disappears. And I thought, oh. come on, I've got to get more than three lollipops. This has got to be. And I tell him. And he dissolves even further into this incredible release. And eventually, some 20 minutes later, he tells me, Judy was his wife who died. And a kind of adult caught death. Went to bed one night and didn't wake up. Her lungs just closed. Young woman. And uh, they had a son, little boy, seven years old, called Rory. And the day before he came to my salon, he'd never been there. He'd never been in that part of Glasgow. And he said that they went to Judy's grave with flowers. And the son said, no, I want to give my mommy lollipops. And he gave him the three lollipops, put them yeah. on the grave. So what he said was, he said, I was crying a couple of days ago saying to myself, Judy will never see her son grow up. She'll never watch him become a man. He said, you've just told me she saw him give her lollipops. 
He said, okay. that has filled my heart with joy. Yeah. So when people ask me why I do it or what changes my mind, that is one of the things. Because I think I can't make that up. Even if I wanted to, how would I? You couldn't. So uh, that was beyond belief for me because it was so random. Or, or was it random? I mean, was it oh, all no, that, that was a setup. Yeah. So it was so set up. I must tell you the crescendo because people will love it. Several years later, I was in Switzerland. And um, the, the short version of this story, it's a wonderful story, but the short version is I was asked to go and do a reading for a lady one day on the lake of... Uh, whatever and i'm just realized i'm telling too much here but anyway oh, i go God, to this so great it's great to this person's house and the person i'm doing the reading for is the wonderful tina turner oh my and, god if he tells me it's tina turner no and i told her the story about did the you know in advance no how how did that get set up I, I was working for somebody and they said, would you come and do a reading for this particular lady? Yeah, yeah, uh -huh. yeah. That happens to me a lot. People say, can you go to Claridge's and go to room 205? And you think, oh, my God, what am I going to see? Yeah. Oh, my God, it turns out to be somebody. Wow. Uh -huh. But you can't go around talking about all of that. But with Tina, it was different because I, when I told her the story about the lollipops, she said to me, oh, my God, that's so wonderful. And you missed your concert. She said, can I sing for you? Oh, are you kidding me? And I said, <laughs> yes. So she did me a <laughs> river deep mountain high. <laughs> and I just sat like, oh, personal. So you see, the spirit world are wonderful. No good deed really goes unnoticed. Everything. That is, that is true. It was beautiful. And once again, you know, when, when you genuinely want to help people with this, and this is what I say to a lot of mediums, don't be in a rush to get out there and be, oh, look, I'm a celebrity medium. Or, look, I can make lots of money. The spirit world will look after you. Yes, when your will. heart is true, you need look no further. That and heart is were, already set. You were angry and disappointed, and you had to go do a demonstration for that whole yeah. church. And I'm sure that shift, that experience with the man oh shifted my God. your whole view, and the evening was beautiful after S all. Suzanne, it was an incredible demonstration because I was walking on air. Because seeing the physical vision of this lady Judy, it was just incredible because it was it was miraculous. Yeah. So so you know you know when you have a real metaphysical experience like that, it was, as I say, my heart started pounding before it happened. So I was going into that you know that vibe which yeah. is like wow. So yeah. I was being lifted up. But in many, many ways, the spirit world were giving me the most profound experience, one of the most profound experiences of my life as a medium. Um, and I draw on that now and again, if ever I feel tired or something, I think, come on, you know that this, how real this is, come on, and you, you know, you, you draw on the good stuff. That's right. That's right. I encourage people to keep a list of those no other explanation moments, I call yes, it. Yes, yes. Yeah. No other. I so, like that. So you're talking about doing that demonstration and and we promised my listeners that we would tell a story of you unwittingly gave a reading to me at the Helping Parents yes. Heal conference. And uh, the backstory, if I, I'll, I'll keep it brief, is that I know my stepdaughter, Susan, is around me all the time. This is Susan. You you haven't seen her. She was oh, no, I haven't. No. Yeah. She was a U.S. Oh, she's, Marine. She's military as well. Yeah. yeah Marine sergeant. And so I want to let everybody know that I was excited that Gordon was also going to be a keynote speaker at the conference. I was there to do that. And I went up and introduced him, myself to him. And it was very clear that he hadn't heard of me. And that's fine. That's fine. I have not been doing this nearly as long as he has. And I'm not as internationally known as he is. But he got up on the stage. And I had had an interaction with Susan earlier in the day that was pretty profound. She'd been giving me this this tingly light, this feeling like a sparkler on my hip for a full week, this sparkly light. And I didn't know it was her. I kept saying, who's doing this to me? Who is this? And that very morning that you and I met, she showed me, it's me, Suzanne. And, and I said, okay, give me some evidence. And she did. She gave me some beautiful evidence. And I set it to the side. Well, right after we met and you stepped onto the stage, you gave a beautifully inspirational talk. And then you went into a demonstration for the various parents there, 900 parents with children across the veil. And I did something very unusual. I asked for Susan to give me a message to validate if that was her. And immediately I felt selfish because I know yeah. she's here. But I see now looking back, Gordon, that was a setup because of the message yeah. you delivered from her was for everybody. Everyone. I don't know if you recall what happened. 
I, I only remember a little bit. I remember telling you the story of what had just happened to me, where I'd been given a vision of from spirit of them throwing this light. But you'll remember it better, Susanna. Yeah, just I'll keep it very brief. No, you, no. you did. I loved watching you work because you you do this thing, and everybody that's watched me work and do classes, I do this, and I call it getting snagged by spirit. Yes. And yes. right after telling this story about this sparkling light. You, you got snagged. I could see it on the video when I go back. It's like, look, that's where she stepped in right there. And you said, wait, there's a young woman here. And you turned and you went, you looked straight at me. And you said, she belongs to you, but she's not really your daughter. Well, Susan's my stepdaughter. And I, and I just said, yes, I couldn't believe, I knew it was her. And that and the beauty was that I knew you didn't know me. You didn't yeah. know my story. No, I didn't. And you said, she's telling you, I am this light. It was the direct answer to my question that morning. I am this light. But the message for everybody then followed that we are all this light. This is what you yes. do. This is what I do. This is what we want everybody to know. <laughs> there was Susan right there. She hasn't died. All those 900 parents in the audience knew their kids haven't died and gone. Yes. They're right there. So I love when spirit uses us. But now I've just remembered that the crescendo to that message was the spirit was saying to you that you, Susan and I felt all the spirit there that day, Suzanne, were saying to you, this is yours to do. This is yours to tell. Yes. Do you remember that? They were well, actually saying. It was saying... really pretty funny because it was clear you didn't know me because you said, you can do this too, or you're supposed to. Yeah, I know. To... I mean, I did really. No, no. You said you're supposed to share <laughs> oh my this God. message. And it's my number one message to the to the world all the time. The, the, you are this light. And so I, know, I, I just, I shouted, I do. I do share this message and the audience cracked up. Do you know, I, I hope this makes you feel feel a bit better. I was in Switzerland a couple of years ago and their number one medium was in the, my audience and I gave them a message and I said, you know, the spirit world is saying that you should be on this platform too. And I, after everybody laughed and I said, why are everybody laughing? So and then they realized after, oh no, but I didn't no, know the man. I'd never so met him. It's validating. It's just beautiful. <laughs> beautiful. Yeah, that is so lovely. Yeah. I love that you support Helping Parents Heal. I know it's, yeah. what, it's our my favorite organization to support yeah, and not that I want to play favorites, but it's just so helpful to them. Um, I know we have a lot of members of that organization tuning in yeah. right now. What would, what do you have to say? What's the message for them? Do you know, I, I think the message about, uh, especially when it comes to losing a child, it's, it's almost like life stops. I say this not because I've lost a child guys, but because I've sat with, thousands if not more than thousands many thousands of people who have lost children and there's a point when it just feels like everything in the world is wrong it's against you but that moment when something happens just even as Suzanne mentioned getting the, the exact answer from the spirit that you need there's the moment when you know they haven't died that turns your grief into something completely different you 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 intellectualize then you start to want to take it deeper and find out on a deeper level about life and death and beyond and you start to realize that this little bit of the journey this tiny little bit where you touched lives for a while is only the beginning and it's like wow we have all eternity we have all the time that we've made this bond to share and we'll probably do it many many times and we realize this is a this is a memory this life of all of the times that you're going to do stuff together and be linked they really don't die my my saying that i've i tell everybody in the world you cannot die you cannot die for the life of you your life force will go on and on and this is something that i say and you know when we lose people so close to us one of the things i often feel is that they they, they dissolve into our heart so instead of looking for them in the way we do with our five senses, we have to retrain ourselves to feel them. So it's like giving yourself a course and how do I feel their energy? You know how when you can be sitting with your mother or father and they're in a chair and you know they're in that chair in the living room, but after their death, you think, I know what it was like to feel them. We have to train ourselves to feel people. Yeah. You see, it's one of the biggest parts of our sensitivity is to try to allow ourselves subconsciously to grow 
the, the feelings that are around us that we take in and we take for granted. We're going to need them one day and, and we can use them. We can activate them. And it's when somebody dies, we have to give ourselves permission to say it's okay to contact them. Because some parents feel, oh, but am I pulling them back? Am I? No, you, you cannot hold spirit back. Nope. You can hold yourself back by being stuck on a particular thing. And that's where you have to learn to let go of these things. And you have to, you know, move forward. One of the, the, the lovely young men at the Helping Parents Heal, I, I do some of my best work after things and at the bar. <laughs> we were, <laughs> we were, where other spirits are available. But, <laughs> but no, we, we were having a great chat, a social. And I think it's important when you're on these kind of things, not to just be seen as the medium, but to try and show people you're real. I don't only talk to spirits. I'm a real person. And um, talking to some of the men, the fathers, and it was lovely because they were really opening up. Yeah. And we were sharing wonderful conversations. I just felt so privileged to be able to talk to some of these men who had been through so much and they had helped their families. And, you know, they were strong. And there was one young guy who we could just see him change in a moment. He, he made a statement about, I just want to be stronger. And I just wanted to go, come here. <laughs> you know, you're like, oh. yeah. and, and I said, but even by what you've just said, the strength it takes to say that in your That's situation, right. kid. I said, you are strong. Don't you ever doubt it? I said, but your 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 kid is your. I think it was his daughter. She's going to be there with you. And and we just chatted, and it was just Gordon, wonderful. Do you remember, you and I were sitting at that table at that, yes. that banquet, and they gathered all the dads for a photo. Yes. What yeah. a powerful moment to I see know. these men. You could feel they they really got it that they were with the group of people yeah. that understood them. Yes. Well, you, one of my lovely memories of, of being a medium, and, and many of the rewards we get as mediums are to see a light switch on in a life that has that life has gone, a light has gone out in. And I was in Italy working with a group of parents who had lost children. And I happened to sit for a man and wife that day. And the father, the Italian man, sat like this. He didn't want to look at me. He didn't want to be involved. His wife was very open. And and their boy came through, Roberto. I, I never forget Spirit's names, no matter. That was 24 years ago. And Roberto came through. And I said to, you know, Roberto's here. And the mother's nudging the father. Oh, look, look, look. And the father didn't want to. There was a moment in the reading where I said to the dad, I need to say thank you to you. Roberto said, thank you for what you did with his ashes i said now i know we're in italy you normally bury people but you had your son cremated and his ashes were buried in juventus soccer ground is that correct well a lump came in his throat suzanne he went oh my god and you could tell this man hadn't actually cried with us like, and it was that moment later that afternoon with all the other parents, I could hear him go around. I understood a little Italian, and he was telling everybody. My boy came and spoke to me. Oh, like, oh my god! Even if I do nothing else, I can hold that one in my heart and say that gets me through some days when I feel ah, that you know I need to get my energy up for this. I go back to Roberto and think, "Wow, we can all feel your heart. It is so beautiful. Gosh, it's, it's a beautiful thing to do. Wow." You said a comment on the stage at that conference that I could definitely relate to. And I'd love for you to explain it because although a lot of people who are watching are mm. also learning mediumship. Yeah. And you said not every reading goes well. Not everyone yeah. happens. Not every connection happens. And then a lot of people, either the medium thinks they didn't do well or unfortunately yeah. many times the the person receiving the reading will think my loved one doesn't want to talk to me or they're not here would yeah. you address that well yeah i mean as a medium i know when a reading is going to work very quickly or not and if it's not then i will talk to the person and, and explain to them you know this is absolutely nothing to do with you it's nothing to do with your relative on the other side it's me as the the transistor as the radio i'm not picking up the signal I could listen to a radio station every day and because of bad weather or something, I lose that connection. I said, so please don't take it personally. Yeah. We can do this another day. I never let the person feel bad and neither should any medium, but neither do I feel bad yeah. because I know that the, the spirit world will orchestrate that so that we get them to the right moment and the right time. Yeah. To give a message to somebody just because they want it is not right. Because then you're 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 acting on their sympathy and not their true need. 
I would give everybody any message they wanted if I could. Sure. But there's some days I realize it will have no value today. Now, that's not me who decides that. I decide to tell people it's not going to happen. But I know Spirit World have something else planned for them. Mediums need to, or mediums in training, when they get something like that happen, they mustn't go away and self-deprecate. They mustn't say, oh, I'm bad. I got this wrong. Why did I not? Why did Spirit let me down? Many of them will say, Spirit never let us down. And if you know that, then you know there's a bigger reason. So you make the most polite and genuine offering to the person. Say, I do apologize, but it's not going to happen today. Not because of you, not because of your loved ones, but because I, as the sensitive, I'm not picking it up. But let's reschedule for another time. There are moments when it shouldn't be done. And we don't know that until we have the gift of hindsight to say, oh, my God, had that been done that day, this would never have happened. That would never have happened. So we don't have that foresight, but we learn to trust that the spirit do. So whenever I get that little tingle to say no, I just said, you know what, guys, I'm so sorry, but I'm just not feeling it today. And I think we have to be gracious. It's not about being right or wrong. It's about doing the right thing. And sometimes the right thing is to say, it's not today, guys, but let's put it in the diary for whenever and we'll do it another day. And that's absolutely fine. Mediums don't, shouldn't trade in right or wrong. Mediums should trade in helping and healing. That's what we do. Want to fearlessly explore your creative spirit? Join artist Susie K. Edwards for Path of the Butterfly, a weekend workshop at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Experiment with a variety of art forms, engage in mindfulness, walking, and silent meditation, and discover a new and free-flowing creative vision. This workshop is for beginners and professional artists. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Right. Oh, great. Good. good, good. You, um, your very first teacher, her name sounds like somebody out of a, of a storybook, Mrs. Primrose. <laughs> yeah, she has this wonderful, sweet sounding name. And she was small woman, about four foot ten. And she was a battle axe. She was the toughest woman I've ever met in my life. Yes, but actually a very strict disciplinarian. That's Um, good. Yep. And, you know, and and that circle, Suzanne, I went regularly for seven years, never missed a class in seven years. And um, you you couldn't. If you missed a class, you didn't come back unless you had a good excuse. So that was it. And um, she taught us the fundamentals of not how to be a medium, just how to be the best version of you so that mediumship works through you. So with me, she said, I was 22. She said, you have not enough life experience, son. You have mediumship. She said, but you need training. She said, that's like somebody who wants to be a doctor and turns up at medical school. I wouldn't hand you a scalpel on your first day. I'd train you. She said, so I'm going to train you on how to work with people. She says, because that's it. She says, you could do more damage to the mind and people's emotions if we unleashed you on the public without the proper training of how to treat people. And we always treat people with respect when they come in because we never know what their loss has just been. We never know if they might be the last, or you might be the last port of call for them. They might have no other hope. Yeah. So treat everybody with the best respect that you can and good grace because you don't know what's really going on underneath until you open up that energy. So Mrs. Primrose was a wonderful teacher and uh, God, I cannot thank her enough even now. I, even now she still pops up every now and again okay. and it's it's never good. No, when she pops up, I know I've done oh, something no. wrong. Oh, yes. no. <laughs> I've been a bad boy. <laughs> Very good. Well, Gordon, I couldn't help but notice uh, some photos behind you there. Oh, books. <laughs> are they, oh, are they books? Oh, yeah, yeah, they are. See, I should have put my glasses on. They are your books. Now They're I just... see. I thought it was photos of people you brought through from the spirit world. It's you. <laughs> no, it's me. Yeah. Um, no, it is. But I, I used to have a wall in one of my old apartments in, when I lived in London. And I did have all the kids. And I used to do prayers for the families that reminded me of the families. That was another thing Mrs. Primrose taught us to do was, you know, when a family, it wasn't just the reading, there was an aftercare if they needed a bit more help or, and, and it was all of that. And um, it, it was just the most beautiful training and, and, and really nice way of learning how to try and heal people. 
regardless of their loss or what you think of it. You know, it's really who knows what they need until they're sat there in front of you. And yeah. a good sensitive will feel that. Yeah. And and that's that's and this is one of the things mediums today get all caught up with am I psychic? Am I a medium? Well, you really need to be both, I would imagine, because for me, Susan, if I've got a family in front of me and I feel on one occasion I remember the father of who was there, the mother and father, and the father, you could feel his anger. Now, anger, everybody thinks is rage and hot. Anger's icy, cold and deep. It's it's where hatred is born. And this man, I mean, literally the room went cold when well, he sat. Yeah. And I thought, oh, my God. And, then, and I could feel the depth of this anger. But his son had been murdered. He'd been stabbed in a street. Now, you can imagine the anger that would provoke within a parent. Of course it does. And oh, yeah. who is anybody to tell them they shouldn't be? Yeah. And I remember saying to him, sir, I can feel your anger. And even as I said it, you know, I thought, oh, what have I just done? But he got angry at me. Mm. And that was actually okay. He yeah. he started to open up a bit and how dare you? It was absolutely fine. He burst into tears at a point. Mm. And his wife and I ended up holding him for a while. But Let's you feel it. For a second. Let's go there for a second. Because you reminded me of a medium I know uh, who volunteered to do a gallery reading, a demonstration of mediumship for a group of parents whose children had been murdered yeah she came out of that and needed days to recover yeah. from the energy the healing potential is there but i'd just be interested in your comments on that and then we'll bring the energy back up <laughs> well, well yeah well yeah well actually one of the things i again i love how how your mind goes right into my day i was having this conversation with one of my medium friends this afternoon okay. and we were talking about what does it feel like when you work with that element of life where a family is torn apart not because of just because they've lost the child but the way they died so yeah. they now have an imprint on their mind yeah. my job as a medium is not to be overly graphic in that situation it's not to be overly anything it's to help lift them out of that vibration and one of the the ones we talked about today was where a girl had been abused and mur murdered and um there was the point and the, the reading i i was able to say to her father the guy never touched her soul. She wants you to know that. Her soul oh, went yeah. over completely whole. She was absolutely perfect. He never touched her soul. And those words permeated his mind. And it was at, several years after he said, you know, Gordon, that was like a gift from God. He said, because all I could see before that was the abuse of my child. He said, but to know that. So the work of the spirit, I suppose, through the medium is they know how to get them onto the next vibration. And I must say, in all of these cases, I never once feel anything bad around me or after it because the work you're doing is clearing. So you don't carry it. You know, that again, this is a big part of the training. Don't carry. This is not yours to carry. And as a sensitive, you need to learn to know how to, to if you like, take that energy and work with it so we take darkness and we turn it into light that's as simple as that so you don't go into the darkness and leave it there you have to take it and you're the one in your training who knows how to transform that darkness into light and i think it's put beautifully by one of my buddhist teachers i have many teachers <laughs> but my buddhist teacher once said what we do is we take the cancers of the world we we let them come into us he says and then we transform form them into nurturing light that we can give back out as a blessing he said so every energy can be transformed from one thing to another he said don't let your mind get caught up in it just do the work of transformation and that's what we do so nothing stains you if your development has been that the spirit purify you every time you work. Beautiful. You, you and I had a wonderful few moments to talk before the show. And we were talking about that, that both of us, your initial training for many people with mediumship is with the spiritualists in England. Mm. Yes. You and I both had that training. And I loved it because they focused so much on getting evidence. And I needed yes. that. And a lot of my clients need that. But then you and I both went on to expand out into yeah. learning about different religions i'd love for you to just yeah. talk about your path there well yeah i mean for being you know so almost sensitive or mediumistic as a child my mind was open and wondering um so spiritualism gave me something it gave me an afterlife to work with it gave me a continuation of spirit but then i thought but what beyond that 
we don't just stop at grief and then knowing there's an afterlife, what goes on beyond it. So I reached out to the Tibetan Buddhist community in Scotland. I sort of joined them for a while, learned some stuff, became a Taoist, learned stuff with Taoism, Hinduism, and so on and so forth, every religion I touched, but also philosophy. Um, because for me, I wanted to know what the great thinkers thought about all of this. I wanted to know what early scientists thought. So I really feel your mind has to be ecumenical enough to understand other people's beliefs and accept that. And you're not in competition with any belief. But at the same time, you have answers for people who struggle with things. You can only do that if you go in and get involved in everything. The lovely professor I worked with many years ago once said to me, I noticed that you never dabble in things. You get completely immersed. That's and nice. I said, yes, I do, sir. And he said, yes, that's a good thing, Gordon. He said, because you absorb knowledge like a sponge. And I need that, Suzanne, if somebody, say, from the Jewish faith asked me, so how will my parents feel in the spirit world? Because we don't see it the same way as a spiritualist or whatever. And then I can take the people out of it and put it back to spirit for them. If it's Eastern people, I can talk about consciousness. If it's African people, I can talk about ancestry. So you need to understand the, even just the terminology so that you're talking the right language. Because some, if I say spirit when I'm in Japan next month, people will think, oh, ghost. That does not translate well, spirit. Mm. Consciousness does because it's Buddhist and Shinto and things. Sure. So, so you need to understand that if you're going to work with different people who come from different cultures and backgrounds. So spiritualism is just the first step in the ladder. But there's a whole path waiting to open up for people. And that, to me, is where we're headed now. This is the future. No isms. Now we're going for the big one. Yeah. And everybody's yeah. involved. We're all involved. Get involved. <laughs> Beautiful. Wow. Let's do a little uh, turn in a different direction now mm -hmm. so we don't run out of time. Before the show, you and I were introducing our furry children to each oh, other, yes. Yes. our dogs. You have a book called Animal Magic. So you really have <laughs> branched out in many directions. Yes. But how about reassuring people that our beautiful pets oh, are yeah. still with us? Oh, do you know, animals um, cross over so much easier than people. They don't have the same trauma or addiction to the body that we have. One of the biggest things that stops people in the Western world dying is our addiction to this body and this life. Animals learn to let it go really easily. And one of the things I find whenever I'm reading for people, uh, their animals that they've loved and who have loved them are usually the first to come in. And their consciousness evolves with you. You see, you don't die and go somewhere. Consciousness is evolving at the same time. So even the children that you've lost, they are still connected and moving. We, we are in a living, moving universe. It's not a static heaven and a static hell or earth or whatever. The whole thing is moving together. So our animals are part of that. I was once in um, Ireland and Dublin and a priest and I were on television and the Catholic priest usually used to have a hard time with me, but I, re I assure them, you don't need to, Father. I am so open to everything we're doing here. And this man said, you've said in your book that animals go to heaven. He said, now, the Catholic Church has not yet decided whether animals have a soul. I remember and I said, that. With, with all due respect, Father, I think that goes beyond the Catholic Church's mind. I think that is decided way before it comes to the church. I said, all animals are consciousness and they evolve and they can love and they can feel. So anybody who's lost a furry friend, you haven't, you've lost the furry side, but the soul, the spirit, the light body is still a part of your mind and your, so your How about a great, no other explanation moment <laughs> with a pet from across the veil? Do you have a favorite, no other explanation story? Oh God, so, so many of them. Um, Actually, one, one of my own favourites was the lady who, she came to me and she had a dog for 17 years. She lived on her own. She was a spinster. And uh, the, the little dog, um, he came through in the reading. She couldn't believe it. I brought her husband through first and she was, yeah, 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 yeah. And then I said to her, oh, there's a corgi here, a little corgi type dog. <gasps> she just went and he said, oh, my God. And then as the dog so the came husband's through, just kind of, yeah, 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 yeah he right. can go, he can go over there. Yeah. And the corgi came through and then she started to talk to me and the dog started to give me this feeling. So she said, are you hearing my dog speak? And I said, in the same way you did, 
She said, because I spoke to him and I said, yeah, but you didn't use words. She said, no. And I said, you used to put your hand on your heart, he's telling me, mm. and you would try and feel telepathically. I said, you know what? I said, put your hand on your heart now. And she did. And her hand started to pulse. And she, went, oh! she actually jumped because the reality, she could feel his fur. It was incredible. And many, many other. I mean, my God, the, the animal stories. Well, you've had your own pets come back to you in, oh, in evidence. Every life. one of them. Yeah, it, it's utterly beautiful. I, I've been lucky enough to be with my pets when they're dying. Okay. And to be with anyone who's dying, beloved pet or child or husband, wife, whomever, to be there and, and as a medium to help them and to, to allow them to go is, is a gift in itself. And, and I, was, I did that with my beautiful uh, Meg, my last dog who went over. We called her Lady Megan of Co-Craig and we never give them ordinary names. So Lady Megan was a lady. And as she was passing and I just put my hand on her heart and I said, sweetheart, now you need to go and go and be happy. I said, and just let go of this heavy body. Feel your light body. And I'm mentally talking. And I could feel her. And the vet said to me, you know, Mr. Smith, she said, I know it's terrible to do this and da-da-da, but it is something that we're doing. It's the right thing. And I said, Madam, can I just assure you, I'm not ending my dog's life. I'm ending its suffering. Oh, and that's yeah. an, I said, that is an act of compassion. I said, so you remember that for the next person who comes in. I'm happy to let her go. And off she went. A couple of days later, I was in my bed and I felt her leap on the bed and I jumped up and said, Meg! And of course, physically, she wasn't there. But she was back to say, I'm back, Daddy. Yes. They're they're all around us. And I hope people don't think that we're the kind of people that need to constantly have animals, people coming back. Believe me, when I'm not a medium, I'm not a medium. And if something happens like that, I just say, thank you. I don't go looking for it. I just say, thank you. Thank you so, so are you you also I don't sense the spirits when I'm just being just my no. normal daily life no. when you're not working you're not working no when I was younger Susanna, Susanna it, it happened baby when I was cutting someone's hair but I didn't have the discipline that I have now mm. so when I was younger I, I was probably more open and maybe felt oh my god I, I want to heal the world because when yeah. you're younger you think you can heal the world yeah. thankfully as you go older you realize your limitations then you turn sexy <laughs> yeah <laughs> then, then then you turn sexy and then sexy one and sexy two <laughs> I love that. So tell me, uh, you've traveled all around the world with your work. How are the attitudes changing towards mediumship and mediums? Well, I'm happy to report, I think because mediums are becoming kind of widespread now. I mean, you can open a magazine, there's a medium on it or a psychic. You can look in on, you know, any high street in many towns, psychics, mediums, everything. Now, a lot of people will think that we're flooding the market with all of this stuff. But in actual fact, it's going to become ordinary speak. And it has to become like that. It has to be that the next generation just see it as sensitivity is a part of our life and i mean sensitivity because we are evolving and our sensitivity is evolving and i think the children of the generation that's there now are incredibly sensitive do you believe that that's what people mean when they say the veil is thinning that we're just becoming more sensitive or is there another meaning that's what i believe i would say that i mean one of the things i i love to talk about is a thin place a thin place where two worlds meet so for me, that can be in the morning when I'm coming out of sleep. It can be in meditation when I'm in a lovely state of Zen. Mm-hmm. It can just be a daydream where I'm kind of doing nothing, but all of a sudden <gasps> the two worlds connect. Yeah. So to me, that's a faculty we all have. Yes. It's old, it's not new, but I think we need to remember it because I, I think with the means of telecommunication and things that we have today, Telepathy has lost a lot of its uh, credence because people go on a mobile phone instead of telepathy. Um, So, but telepathy was a big thing to people back in the day. People knew when their relative was dying, even though they weren't there. People could feel things happening to their family in other countries or different places because telepathy is a feeling thing and not a thinking thing. So we could feel other people's need, pain, even joy. So we need to start feeling the the atmosphere around us and sharing that atmosphere with the people we love 
as a medium, that's what allows me to bring other people's loved ones through. But you can do that while you're alive with the people you love. And so you should. If you do that, you'll never lose the bond. That will just, that will be forever. Beautiful. Beautiful. So I know you must have a couple more of your best ever favorite stories. I thrive on them. Just pull <laughs> one out and have one more before we wrap this up. Favorite oh. evidence, you know, the, the one of those stories that took you to knowing beyond belief, just knowing. And knowing beyond belief. Well, once I was in Glasgow University and um, I had to work in front of all the academics and professors and and it's the hardest crowd a medium has to work with because they sit like this. Yes. Stern glasses on the end of the nose. <laughs> and, you know, and I had somebody had said to me, you know, isn't what you do just cold reading? A lot. I got that a lot back then. Don't you just read the body language? And I asked, oh, well, if you say so. So then I had to give the demonstration to prove what I was doing. And I started and I felt good. I felt the energy. Yeah, yeah, I'm in the zone. And I said, okay, I've got a lady here. Her name's um, Mary. And she wants to talk to her son. His name is Jim. I said, you're, you're somewhere in the room, but you've got a gold chain and your mother's wedding ring is on the end of the chain. And she shows me that she lived in a road called Mary Hill Road. Wow. Who are you? Nothing. Oh. Oh, no. And I said, hold on a second. She shows me that your father's also dead and he's with her and his name's Harry and he died three years before her of a heart attack. Da, 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 da. Nothing. Oh. And I could see the man in the front who had questioned me about cold reading and that. Mm, he's mm, like yeah. this. And eventually a janitor came to the door at the back of the amphitheater oh. and he looked in and I, I just looked and I said, okay. And he opened the door and he said, yeah. And everybody turned around to look at this man at the back wearing a brown coat. And I said, sir, is your name Jim? Yeah. I said, would you mind coming in, sir? Oh, I man. said, look, uh, this is a demonstration of mediumship. We talk about people who have passed away over would you be okay with me talking to you i don't know and i said well your mother died her name's mary yeah she lived in mary hill road around your neck you're wearing a chain with a ring and he did and then i turned to the gentleman in the front row and i said sir with all due respect to read body language first you must have a body to read i think you'll agree i had not one now i could not have organized that better and that tells me beyond belief how incredible the spirit world are because they knew that was going to happen yeah i was so nervous at that point but how smug i became <laughs> well, <laughs> when it so. me, well yeah. the smugness came from my trust in spirit i thought yeah. yes you've done it again spirit. Oh, another one so beautiful fantastic <laughs> Mm, it is a total joy to talk to you. Yeah, Maybe you'll cool. come on the show again sometime because. Well, the, any, Suzanne, do you know what? It's a joy. I, I I really loved meeting you over in Phoenix and wished that we did more time because I, I thought kindred spirits. I just loved sharing time with you and tonight. Wow, what a joy. Thank you I'll so say. much for allowing it. I'll say. How about final words for anybody listening who's new on this journey? Oh, do you know what? somebody once said a thousand mile journey begins on one footstep but the moment your foot actually steps on the spiritual path wow it's a huge awakening and don't get put off by the early beginnings it's it's well it's actually it's forever so go forward guys and keep doing it keep investigating don't give up on it and don't give up on yourself because truly the best is yet to come ah beautiful Words of wisdom. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. Look at look at the number of viewers just on YouTube alone. Just over a thousand people drawn in by this energy. We love all of you. Thank you for oh, being thank with you us. So much, guys. Hour, and this video will be put on YouTube. Anybody can rewatch it. So many words of wisdom, gratitude to Gordon Smith <laughs> and to all of you. Y'all take care and have a great rest of the week. Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Farber, and I'm an author, teacher, psychotherapist, and shamanic practitioner. On my podcast, 
healing for your soul, I welcome some amazing guests and introduce you to some healing techniques like earth magic, working with nature and animals, and really getting to the heart of what is keeping you stuck. I want to help you deepen your spirituality and let go of blocks that are holding you back. Let me help you in this journey called life. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network. Subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode.